right. Praise the Lord. Good morning. All right. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Hallelujah. It says, above all else, you know, that's a pretty uh, high priority. When Solomon, giving wisdom, says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Some of your sections say, out of it flow the issues of life. And some say, this is very interesting, um, it is the wellspring of life. In fact, it's the only scripture in the Bible, I think, where you see the word wellspring. So, But I like this version because we can understand a little better. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your gaze uh, fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we go to the Lord in prayer, um, if you read the Bible, and I, I know this is a terrible analogy, but how many have ever read the story in the Bible where God prophesies uh, through a man's donkey? Isn't that amazing? You ever thought about that story? God does a miracle and this man was literally prophesied to by a donkey. And the reason I say that, and this is why it's strange, is if you believe God can speak through a donkey, how many believe he can speak through me today? Hallelujah. Amen. You say, well, man, I already believe it. But here's what I want you to do. If you, if you would, just put your hand on your heart and let's pray that the Lord would speak his word through me today. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now. Lord, we, we need help with our hearts, Lord. Lord, it is under attack by the enemy, Lord God. Not people, Lord, not flesh and blood, but by the enemy, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would speak directly to our hearts today, Lord. That you would uh, not, you know, not let us get um, sidetracked by the speaker, Lord, but let the Holy Spirit speak directly to every heart. Do healing, do surgery. Uh, restoration each heart, Lord. And uh, Lord, we pray these things in your name, Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. The title of my message is Protecting Your Heart. Now, I almost, uh, in preparation for this message, I almost named this message Heart Attacks. But how many of you know a lot of times you go on the podcast and you look at old messages, and when it has a negative connotation, you're less likely to pull up and receive the blessing that's in the message. So if I had a message called heart attacks, I don't know if I would ever pull that message up in the future if I seen that title. And so I don't want a negative connotation, but how many know this scripture is talking about a heart that is being attacked? And a, and a tar- heart that's under attack, and it's talking about the above all else, highest priority, guarded. How many know your heart needs to be guarded because it hurts sometimes? How many have ever had a broken heart? 
How many have ever had your heart hurt? How many have ever felt like, man, my heart is under attack. God, I don't know what to do. I'm underwater here. I'm drowning. I don't know what to do with this hurting heart. And how many know God wants that heart to be guarded? And God has made provision for your heart to be guarded. God has made provision for you to have healing in your heart. And so as we begin to look at this, Above all else, guard your heart. That word guard means keep, protect, or guard. Put a watchman over it, right? And so as we look, above all else, guard your heart. If it's the highest priority, then we need to figure out what he's talking about. And so the first thing that I have a question about is, when the Bible talks about the heart, what is it talking about? Because I don't think it's talking about our physical heart. The beating instrument that makes blood flow through your body. In fact, in the Bible, it mentions the heart 800 times. And 200 of those times, it's dealing with your thought life. How many know that? When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about your inner self. In fact, I like this definition. It says it includes emotion, but the heart is not limited to your emotions. According to Scripture, the heart can be Grieved? How many have ever been grieved? Your heart can be troubled. How many have ever had a troubled heart? Your heart can be broken. How many have ever had a broken heart? Your heart can be pierced. Your heart can be divided. And your heart can be joyful. Hallelujah. How many would say all those things are true? I know what the Bible is talking about. And so he's saying that needs to be protected. It needs to be guarded because out of it flows the wellsprings of life. And like I said, that sounds very poetic and very good, the wellsprings of life. But what you don't realize is it's like a wellspring bubbling out of the ground. And how many know if that wellspring comes out and it's been poisoned, I mean, everybody downstream is going to be poisoned. If that wellspring comes out and it's been polluted, how many know everything downstream is going to be polluted? And so what the Bible is saying is whatever comes out of your heart is going to affect everything you do in life. And so if you, if your heart has been damaged, your heart has been poisoned, your heart has been hurt, how many know that things like bitterness and anger and and stress, and anxiety, and how many have ever had that, just be honest, how many have ever had that flow out? And all of us, you know, everybody, even the ones that are afraid to raise their hand because they think I'll raise my voice. I won't. But I've had it happen. And so God wants us to put a guard over our heart because He knows that everything that happens in life flows out of your heart. In fact, your thought life, I want you to think about this. Your thoughts, positive, negative, good, bad, get this. Let me know your thoughts control your attitudes. The Bible says, whatsoever a man thinketh, that's what he is. And so whatever you allow your thought life to do, it's going to form your actions in life, your attitudes in life. In fact, I want you to think about this. Plant a thought, a good one or a bad one. You know how your thought life is. I don't need to get into your head today. A good one or a bad one. 
Maybe it's about a person, maybe it's about a thing. Plant it in the ground, and everybody who plants plants this time of year know that if you nurture the plant, it will grow into something. So if you take a thought, good or bad, you let it grow and you nurture that thought, what is going to happen? It's going to grow into actions. So you say, well, man, all I think about, and some people struggle with lustful thoughts, right? In fact, I talk to a lot of people, and it's a major struggle for men is lustful thoughts. Now, what if lustful thoughts are always being nurtured? What is it going to grow into? Actions. If a person has trouble with bitterness, and you have a bitter thought... And you nurture that bitter thought, what's it going to grow into? Actions based on the bitterness. Now, if you think good thoughts, you think about loving people, you think about doing things for other people, and all your thoughts are toward pouring yourself out and trying to be like Jesus, what's going to happen with those thoughts? They're going to be nurtured into actions. Now, listen to this. What if you plant actions in the ground and you continue to nurture it and it grows? What does it grow into? Habits. If you do an action repeatedly, nurture those actions, it becomes habits. And so you habitually are going to be something good or something bad. In fact, you're going to, the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, which means that your habit is to do good things. And the Bible says, don't stop that. Don't be weary in that. Don't quit doing that. No matter what happens, do good things. And so righteousness, you know, if you plant that in the ground, that action, you'll, you'll, you'll have a habit of doing the right things, the wrong things, and all based on your thought life. Now, if that habit is a regular thing and it's your daily behavior and you plant that in the ground and it grows, what does that grow into? Character. Ever think about that? Because you've made a habit of doing the right thing every day, people will look at your life and they will say, you know, that's just who he or she is. But if you do the wrong thing that starts with a thought life, And every day that grows, guess what people will say about your character? That's their character. Be careful. Watch it. How many know these things are true? Now, if I have character, and I nurture it, and I plant it, and I grow it, what does character grow into? Man, he just is always doing the right thing every day. It's his habit. It grows into my destiny. I mean, no, it grows into my destiny or my future. If I do the right thing every day and that's my character, guess what's going to happen? God is going to bless me and my future is going to be bright because I've done the right things in my thought life. So no wonder the Bible says, guard your heart above anything because it is the wellspring of your life. In fact, I like this version. Let me read it again. It says, everything you do will flow from it. Guard your heart because everything 
will flow out of that heart. And so as we begin to look, the next thing I think about now that I know what the heart is, now that I know why it's important to guard my heart, the next thing I'm thinking is, what do you put a guard over? A watchman over? Why does it have to be watched or kept or guarded? How many have ever taken your trash out to, to be picked up by the trash company? How many have ever done that? How many have ever went through the exercise? Only a few people have trash. The rest of us have no trash. Chad, I have no waste. I really believe in a green earth. Okay, all of us have done that. We've taken the trash out the receptacle. Now, how many of you have ever put a guard there to watch it? Say, what a dumb question. Can we have the next speaker, please? Don't you wish you had a gong sometimes? Say, you're done. You didn't deliver early. But how many know we don't put a guard over things that aren't valuable? Things that are worthless, things that are trash, things that aren't a treasure, we don't put a guard over it. We put a guard over things that are valuable, they're important, they're something we don't want to get stolen, we don't want to get damaged. And how many know God thinks that your heart is a treasure above all else? He knows that you're hurting. He knows that you're wounded. He knows that you've been beaten up. And But what does the enemy tell you? Nobody cares about my heart. Nobody cares that I've been beaten up. Nobody cares that I've been broken. Nobody. How many know that we're all, we're supposed to be in a pack. And we're supposed to be protecting each other and watching each other, being my brother's keeper. But how many know the enemy of your soul wants to take that animal that's in the pack, best example I can give, and wants to pull it away from the pack? Why? Because the, when you're away from the pack, you're vulnerable, you're weak, and you're open to attack. And the enemy wants to pull us away And make us feel isolated. That's why the enemy will come to you at your weakest moments. The enemy will say, no, don't go back to church. Don't go back to God. Your heart is not valuable. Your heart is not worth it. Your heart is broken. Nobody cares. And you cry at night and you think nobody cares. And the enemy has you right where he wants you. He wants to destroy your heart. And he wants you to think, I can do this on my own. I don't need people. People hurt me anyway. I'm isolating myself. I'm going away from the pack. And you're open to the enemy's attacks. And can I tell you something? Sometimes, in fact, that's the next thing, is who is attacking this heart? It's valuable, we know, because God wants to put a watchman over it. But who is attacking it? If there's got to be a guard over something, how many know there should be an enemy that's trying to attack it? Somebody's got to be attacking it or God wouldn't take the time to say, put a guard on it. Put a watchman on it. Keep it. Be careful how this this heart is receiving things, right? And so the Bible says, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be self-controlled and alert. All right. Alert. We like that word, right? Caution. Lights are flashing right now. Alert, 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 alert. Something's getting ready to happen here. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And boy, we undersell this. We look at the word devour and we think, oh, wow, he's going to say a few mean things about me. No, he's trying to destroy you. He's trying to wipe you out. In fact, uh, I was praying. I was praying this morning. And I just felt the Lord tell me to share my dreams I had. And I, I hate sharing these things. But I don't have very many dreams. I don't have very many visions. But I was praying and fasting and seeking the Lord. And the Lord woke me up one day with two dreams. And if you know me and you ever ask me, how did you sleep? I always say like a fat little baby, you know, that has his belly full. I sleep very heavy. But the Lord woke me up one morning and I told my wife, I said, man, these dreams are so unusual. And I said, I just have to share them with you. I don't know what they mean and I'm praying about them. And, and, uh, but the Lord told me, he said, Chad, I want you to understand the nature of this devourer, this enemy. And I know it was for me, but I know that it's never just for me. And he said, I want you to know the nature of the enemy. And so the first dream I had very quickly was at a location that I knew that was a cemetery. And I had done funerals at that cemetery. It was probably the most memorable cemetery that I've ever been to that I would, I would just remember it. Because I know the winding road that goes through. I know where all the cars park on that cemetery. It's one locally that I know really well in the town I grew up in. I knew the ministers there. I knew the uh, people that were there. And, and the Lord said, Chad, I want you to understand first how much the enemy hates you. How many know the enemy wants you dead? He doesn't just want you to have a bad day. And the Lord wants you to know that if the enemy had his way, you would already be dead. Because his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So why are you not dead yet? Because he doesn't have the power. God is in control. But the enemy is seeking whom he may. Have you ever went to somebody and said, may I? That's the proper way to say it, right? May I do this? May I do that? The enemy is seeking whom, whom, who, I, who may I? You know, and he's got to have permission from the Lord. And, and Jesus even said, Peter, the, Satan came asking to sift you, to come after your faith. But I'm protecting you. Now, how many know that the enemy comes, you know, the enemy came to attack Jesus through Peter. You know, the enemy was at the Lord's Supper entering Judas. How many know that? I mean, know that during the census of David, Satan was there tempting David. I mean, he's trying to sift who he can, whom he may devour. And God said, hey, understand this about the enemy, the nature of the enemy. Hell knows your name, Chad. Hell hates you. This is your funeral that the enemy is attending. And those cars that are lined up, you know, that normally honor the person who died? He said, they're there to bear witness against you. Satan doesn't just want you dead. He wants to put shame to your name. How many know that's true about all of us? We have an enemy who wants to devour. 
He wants to destroy. He doesn't just want you dead. He wants your name to go down in shame so you'll never affect another person in your life. And I said, well, Lord, what do I do about that? And he goes, know the name that they know you by. And I said, what's the name they know me by? And he says, you're my son and you're anointed by me. He said, they don't know your name. They know you're my anointed and because you're my anointed, they fear you. How many know you've got to know who you are in Christ? And then I had a second dream and the Lord said, Chad, I want you to know how much energy the enemy has. And I was standing at the doors of this church and an angry person was coming at me wanting to attack me with a knife. And he would run up the steps and I would push And how many have ever seen an unnatural fall, like where somebody flips over and like slams the door? And I would push, and they would unnaturally roll and hit the door hard, and I would think it's over. But it wasn't. They had more energy coming at me again. And the Lord said, push them. Push. They hit the door. They get right back up, come right back at me, and I'm like, Lord, what is this all about? This is supernatural. He said, understand the energy of the enemy. Because you're going to want to say, Lord, when is it going to stop? When is the enemy going to quit attacking? And can I tell you something? The enemy has a lot of energy. And I said, Lord, how can I do, how can I deal with that? How can I deal with the enemy having so much energy, and the Lord said, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, said, Chad, I've given you my spirit. It's supernatural for the tearing down of every stronghold to walk through every enemy. You need to walk in my spirit, and you will overcome the enemy every single time. And then, to make matters worse, I'm dust mopping a floor at Walmart. Those were two dreams I had. While I'm dust mopping a floor, I'm, it's like perfect time to intercede. I'm like pushing around this giant Walmart, sweeping floors, and usually I've got my worship music on, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and, and I just had a vision. And it was a vision of a whole pack of wolves around me. I mean, you think that would be scary? you imagine that in your mind? Just try to think about it. A pack of wolves all around you. But I had no fear. And there was one in front of me that was like an alpha, you know, and it was distracting me tremendously. And the Lord kept saying, remember their nature, remember their nature. And I could hear, this is what's amazing, a pack of wolves all around, but I could hear the Lord training me. He was training me. And I had no fear whatsoever. He was like, watch the one in the front, but don't be distracted. Remember their nature. Remember their nature. And, and I preached messages in the past on the nature of wolves. And this is nature. And you say, well, this people know it's the enemy. It's Satan. It's principalities, how they attack. How many know that the enemy will attack through pastor to pastor? Pastor to people in the congregation. People in the congregation to the pastor. The enemy will attack through your wife, through your children, through your husband. How I many know he's not? He'll attack through 
unsaved people. I'm just telling you, biblically, the enemy attacks through a lot of different fronts, but this is the nature of the enemy, and the Lord was training me. He said, remember their nature. And I was like, well, Lord, what is their nature? And I started remembering the teachings that he gave me on wolves, and and the Lord said, don't fall down. You know what happens when you fall down? They attack. Don't stumble. He said, whatever you do, don't run. Don't run because then they become predators and you become prey. Stand up strong. Stand up in me. Stand up in my anointing. And he said, and above all, remember, rare is very rare that a wolf will attack a human. You know why? They fear him. Walk in my anointing. You don't have to fear it. And so Lord gave me those dreams because he wanted me to understand the nature of the enemy. Now you need to understand the nature of the attack. You say, well, how do I know that I've been attacked? And here's the thing. When you're a minister, there's almost no pure moment of being used by God than delivering a message to a lot of people. How many think that's true? When you've been called to deliver message to people that's supposed to go directly to their heart. In fact, the Bible says that if we pray for God's anointing, we'll speak a word and it'll be so much truth to a heart that they'll know of a surety that God is in the house that day. And so how many know the enemy would like to attack you when you're studying to preach? And so as a minister, it's almost unavoidable. You get used to the attack so much that you recognize everything on this list because they've happened to you. And sometimes you can be naive. I think early in my ministry, I was naive and I didn't realize what an enemy attack was. Enemy attack sometimes is kind of like a thief. How many, if you had a cash box in the house and you open it every day and you start off with a hundred dollars and one dollar bills in there, and then you didn't spend any of it. And the next day you came in there and there was $77 in there instead of 100 At first you're kind of naive. You're like, well, wait a minute. Am I going crazy? Or did I spend that $33 or $23? Bad math. Then you come back the next day and there's $56 in there. And see, that's how the enemy kind of is sometimes. Shame on me. The first time maybe I was crazy, but now we've got a bona fide... Thief that's still in my dollars here. And so at first you're kind of naive. And some of you have been naive. And don't realize this is an enemy attack. And so I'm going to read some things that I know to be true. About attacks of the heart. And it's not an exhaustive list. And it's not necessarily an enemy attack. But it could be. Here's some of the things that will happen to your heart if it's not properly guarded by the Lord and by His Word. Have you ever felt discouraged, defeated, depressed? Things seem hopeless, overwhelming, the burden is too heavy. Overall, you're disappointed in everything, struggle, lack of peace, and lots of stress. How many have ever been there? How many know that could be an attack of the enemy on your heart? It could be that you're making bad decisions in your life. could be that you're not sleeping. could be not, you're not eating right. could be a lot of things. But how many know that is very possibly the enemy attacking your heart? 
And on top of that, you feel, how many have ever felt extreme frustration? Your mind feels oppressed, you feel greatly frustrated, you feel like you're under siege, and you feel like you're anxious. How many know that could be the thief that's stealing from you every day and you don't even realize that's the enemy attacking my heart? Now here's the thing. God says, okay, you're a believer, let me give you your armor. And you're like, what? You might think that's strange. You might find that strange. You're a believer, I'm protecting you. You know, I've won the victory already, but here's your gear, you better wear it or the enemy's going to attack you. And so he gives you a helmet of salvation. You know what that means? That means that the enemy is going to attack your mind, and that's what I'm talking about here. Depression, disappointment, frustration, extreme frustration, feel like giving up on a regular basis. How many know that the enemy is attacking your mind? Some of you have a helmet of salvation, but you're not utilizing it. And here's the scary thing. The enemy also wants to steal, kill, and destroy non-believers, but guess what they don't have? Armor. They don't have an armor, but they're receiving the same attacks. Isn't that scary? Doesn't it make you want to have compassion for those who are lost? They don't have any helmet of salvation to protect them against the enemy on their mind. How many know you have a breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart? But how many know you were wearing that into battle? What does the enemy do when you wear a breastplate and a helmet into battle? You're more protected than the guy that has nothing. How many know you have a place you have to put the, the gear on, and that's your arms? Where do you think the enemy's aiming for? Right there. Right there. Everywhere where there's an opening. So we need to be very careful. Let me give you some more here. Loss of spiritual desire and lack of spiritual passion. Difficulty praying. Difficult staying connected to Christians and church. And difficulty doing the ministry that God's called you to be. How many have ever been, thought yourself suddenly with a lack of passion? You're like, man, I don't want to be around Christians. I don't want to pray. How many realized that was an attack of the enemy? You say, well, what's the result? The result is I isolate myself from the pack. I isolate myself from God's encouragement. I isolate myself from prayer, which is the most powerful thing that we have is prayer. And I'm isolating myself. So the enemy wants you to feel apathetic. He wants you to lose your passion, lose your desire. How many knew that was an enemy attack? Few. How many now know that that's an enemy attack? How many did not realize that was an enemy attack? That's an attack of the enemy. How about fatigue, physical fatigue, sluggish, tired, feeling drained, lacking energy, no motivation, lack of strength? Often when you lose your energy and strength, it's been an extended attack. How many have ever been worn down by the enemy? How many have ever been under that extended attack where your strength is just sapped? 
Can I tell you something? I'm, I know all these. How many know these so far, all of these? How many have experienced all of these? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Now, it could be other reasons. It could be you stay up too long and don't sleep. You don't eat right. It could be other things. But how many know when you're getting sleep, you're eating right, but you still feel like you're under attack and you're overwhelmed? That could be the enemy. All right? There's a reason why he gave us the gear. (laughs) Doubting God's goodness, struggling to trust God to come through for you. You may even feel anger towards God because he let you down, believing that God is mad at you or God is punishing you. Chad, come on now, that's a little too far. Why would the enemy do that? The enemy wouldn't do that, would he? Go back to his tactics. What do you do in the garden? Doubt God's goodness, (laughs) okay? So should you be surprised that this is an enemy attack, that he makes you doubt God's goodness, makes doubt God cares about you, makes you doubt that God loves you? How many know the enemy, sure as I'm standing here, will do that to you and your heart is under attack? That is a heart attack, okay? Heart attack is caused by incoming. How many know that? Incoming diet. How many know that your body filters all that stuff out to try to avoid a heart attack? But how many know everything that's incoming in your body is what causes a natural heart attack? And how many know the enemy has lots of incoming and that's what attacks your heart that you need to be guarded from? Number five, negative, disturbing thoughts. And you say, Chad, I have never had a disturbing thought. That's disturbing, that you've never had a disturbing thought. Disturbing thoughts, lack of peace, the enemy attacks your mind. Your mind is a battlefield. You may be wrestling with anxious, fearful, worrisome. Maybe you think nobody cares about you. The enemy bombards your mind with thoughts, temptations to rob your peace. The mind becomes irritated and exhausted. The enemy does all he can to bring mental fatigue. And you say, Chad, you totally missed it. Okay, so you've never sat there and said, nobody cares about me. You've never sat there and said, God doesn't care about my finances. God has left me here to die. God doesn't care. I'm condemned. I feel like I didn't do what God wanted me to do. I'm condemned. God doesn't want to talk to me. God doesn't want to see me. Why did I ever follow him? That's disturbing, Chad. But how many of you know the greatest people in the Bible, the greatest characters in the Bible, struggled with disturbing thoughts? You say, well, what a terrible person I am. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. You are a terrible person. But how many know your heart is under attack? That well is not going to flow the same way it did before because of this attack. And so we need to figure out how to filter that out and how to not allow that to affect our heart. Hallelujah. Number six. We and everybody's going to say this one does not apply. I'm thinking about going back to my old life instead of going forward with God. That's called backsliding. What an awful word. I'm thinking about going backwards because I don't have the strength to go forward. 
How many have ever felt like the attack was so hard, I can't go forward through this, so I'm going to go backwards? What did I tell you happens when the wolf sees you run? You become prey. (laughs) When you move forward, guess what happens to the wolf? He fears you. So I'm thinking about going backwards. How many have ever done that? Be honest with me. It's nice to be honest in church. How many know it's freedom when you can be honest? You say, I don't know, Chad. I'm pretty holy. I don't know that I've ever thought these such awful things. How many know there's an old saying by Vince Lombardi, fatigue makes cowards of us all. You might be under, under an enemy attack if you're backing up and afraid to go forward. Old emotional wounds from the past are resurfacing. You said, well, praise God, I put that under the blood. And we did. But how many know when the enemy is attacking you, guess what comes back to the surface? Old wounds. How many has that's happened? There's old wounds that come back because you're under attack. You say, well, man, I want to fight everybody because of these wounds. No, you're under attack and you need to protect yourself from the attack. It's not the other people. You say, well, I'm sure it is, Chad. I'm sure it is. No, it's old wounds that are coming back because your heart is under attack. And the Lord wants to protect your heart and heal the wounds. Hallelujah. Amen. Battling with guilt, condemnation, and shame. You say, well, that's just me. I've got, I don't think right. You know, Satan's made it very clear that I'm not a good thinker. I'm not a good actor. I'm not, a, I'm not living the life God's called me to live. Well, that's what condemnation is. Guess who the accuser of the brethren is? See, what I'm doing today, how many have ever watched Wizard of Oz when the curtain opens? There's a guy back there working the controls. Today, some of you are realizing he's been working the controls. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that's making you feel shame, condemnation, guilt. Because how many know those are all things that Jesus Christ died to remove? How many have ever been beaten up and destroyed by guilt, condemnation, and shame? There's only a few of us. We're some hopeless souls. (laughs) But that's an attack, and we've got to recognize it as an attack. Oh, wow. Hit my time limit. Nine, feelings of rejection, not belonging, and loneliness. You feel nobody understands you, and you feel like you don't belong anywhere. How many has the enemy done that to Nobody understands me. My husband doesn't understand me. My wife doesn't understand me. My kids don't understand me. My parents don't understand me. There's nowhere that I belong. I'm an outcast. We know that's the enemy. The enemy doesn't want you to belong to God. He wants to destroy everything about you. That's an enemy attack. Confusion over what you believe or confusion about your purpose in life. How many have ever, 
How many have ever had that day when you're like, man, I am so strong in my belief in God. I'm so strong in the fact that I love Him. I'm on my way to heaven. He's the God of my life, the Lord of my life. I've got so much courage to live this life. How many have ever been there? How many have ever felt like, man, you know what? I feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do in life. But how many have had the opposite? Where that's turned really quickly and now you're confused. I don't even know if I believe in God now. I don't know if I believe in this. I don't know if I believe in my call. I feel like giving up everything. How many have ever been there? I'm glad so many are honest. Because I know we're all feeling it. Did you know that was an enemy attack? You mean to tell me that Satan doesn't want me to believe in God? He doesn't want me to believe in my purpose in life? Recognize that it's an enemy attack. Seven. And it's the same as the last one. My urges to quit are stronger than they've ever been. That's an enemy attack. I feel like quitting everything. So what kind of things damage the heart? Like I said, it would be really easy if there were all these bad people on one side and all these good people on the other side. How many know the enemy does that sometimes? He says they're either all bad or they're all good. But here's the truth. Peter was used by Satan to attack Jesus. Right? If you have blood pumping through your veins you have the ability to inflict pain to somebody's heart. That's who does it. Every human being inflicts pain on other human beings. I mean, no, that's why we're called sinners. Does everybody understand that? We're all capable of inflicting pain. We're all capable of being used by the enemy to inflict pain. So here is the problem we have. The Bible says, guard your heart. Guard your heart, and what do we do? I want you to picture your heart for a second because this is what the Holy Spirit put in my heart for this message. We hear guard your heart, and what we hear is fortresses. We hear, how many have ever seen a prison? Barbed wire, razor blades on the top. Giant fortress where nobody can get in. And we hear, guard your heart, and we hear, I've got to put so many defenses up that that will never happen to me again. And so a lot of times what we do is, because of the hurt, we don't allow anybody in. I'm just being honest. How many think that what that's what happens? You say, evil person, evil person, evil person. They'll never get past my triple rolls of barbed wire, razor blade fences of my heart. And so we guard our heart so heavily it becomes a prison. But here's the problem. Every single human being inflicts pain on other human beings. And as a minister of the gospel, Jesus told us already, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So what did Jesus do? 
put up barbed wire fences and razor blade fences and build fortress around his heart and say, nobody's ever going to get in and nobody's ever going to hurt me. And can I tell you, that's the mistake a lot of us have made. We won't love anybody outside of the walls because we're afraid of getting hurt. But here's what the Lord says. The Lord says, I've given you a filter where no weapon formed against you will prosper. I've given you the wisdom of my word that gives boundaries to your heart. I've given you my word as a watchman. In fact, if you really study the scriptures and you look at who's guarding the wellspring, it's not you. Let me read some scriptures. You're not the one who is guarding the wellspring. How many know it's his word that is guarding your heart? And his word has a great amount of wisdom. And some people read the word and you know what they read? They read, be nice to everybody. Be kind to everybody. And that's all they hear. They don't hear that the Bible has boundaries. The Bible does not want, God wants you to minister to people, but he doesn't want to allow. What does Satan use to attack? He attacks with words. He went to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. What did he use? Words. You say, well, why didn't he come with a knife? Or why didn't he come with a, some type of weaponry that could kill Jesus? He came with words. He said, if you be the Son of God, do this. If you're the Son of God, do that. How many know that he was tempting him with words? And how many know the enemy is going to try to infiltrate your heart? He's going to try to hurt you by people's words, people's actions, the things that they do around you. And how many know the Word of God is that filter that filters out every incoming arrow of the enemy? He gives you uh, gear to make sure that it doesn't reach your heart. How many know that a flaming arrow can hit my breastplate it could be extinguished and it won't touch my heart. And the Lord says, you can go through life and if you'll be obedient to my word. In fact, the word of God gives you boundaries. The word of God says if it's a toxic person, right? If it's a toxic person, the word of God says, have nothing to do with that. In fact, it says, have nothing to do with that. Walk away from it. But then it also says, Love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And you say, well, why does he say that? Because if you don't, the arrow's going to hit your heart. That's just one example how the Word of God will protect your heart. You say it gives boundaries. The Bible says that whatever, whatsoever a man soweth, he reapeth. Right? One of the ways that your heart is being affected is... You're trying to protect people who are sowing and you're trying to make sure they don't reap what they've sown. Oh, I'm getting personal now. And all your time is trying to protect people who are sowing and reaping wickedness. And God's saying, I did not call you to do that. They need to reap what they've sown so they can learn. And all your time spent worrying about that person and protecting them from what they're sowing. And that's a revelation. The Lord gave that to me last night. There's a lot of things that are hitting your heart that don't have to. We don't have boundaries sometimes. We allow toxicity to get into the the flow of the water. We sometimes try to live other people's lives. We try to bless something that can't be blessed. We just have to put it in God's hands. And you say, well, what do I do? What do I have left? 
And everybody says, all you got left is prayer. That's not right. That was the best thing you had to begin with. And now we think it's the last option. It's not the last option. It was the first option. You say, well, what would prayer do in that situation? Would that be my last option? It's all I got left is prayer because I can't change them. I can't control them. I can't do anything in this situation. Now all I got left is prayer. What's prayer going to do for me? Well, number one, you had no power to begin with to change their life. You had no power to change the situation. So when you finally let that false hope shatter and you get in His presence, He'll give you peace that passes your understanding. He'll give you peace in the situation. And what does peace do in the situation? It doesn't allow the toxic arrow to hit my heart. You say, but man, Chad, I had a terrible childhood. I'm so bitter at this person. I'm so bitter at that person. That arrow has struck right at your heart. You say, well, what do I do? The Lord says, forgive. Why? Why should I give the person the benefit of my forgiveness? It's not for them. It's to protect your heart from that arrow. When you put on that breastplate of doing, breastplate of righteousness is breastplate of doing the right thing. You do the right thing repeatedly, you know what you get? Habit. When you do a habit repeatedly, you know what you get? Character. When you do character repeatedly, you know what you get? Your destiny. Your future. And so God is asking us, let me guard your heart. Tear down all these fences. It looks like a prison. Your heart looks like a prison. God's trying to free you. You don't have to protect yourself. You just have to be obedient to the word. That's it. He's protecting your heart through His Word. And when you're obedient to His Word, the enemy is so angry because the enemy can't touch your heart. He can't touch you. He hates you, but he can't touch you. He's afraid of you. He fears you. He fears the person that walks in obedience to the Lord and loves the Lord. And you say, what if I mess up? It's part of the plan. You say, but I'm going to feel really condemned. Then you don't understand the plan. The plan said we were sinners and we would fail, but I trust in Him. And because I trust in Him... No enemy can touch me, even though I sin. My sins aren't held against me. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. All right, I'm going to test it out right now. You've got to forgive me for going long. Is everybody willing to do that? Or you're going to be angry at me when you walk out. I don't want that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Worship team. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. And uh, Lord, we know that you treasure our heart. Lord, you know that our hearts are broken, battered, beaten. Father, and we need wholeness that only comes from you, Lord God. Healing that only comes from you, Lord. We need you to guard and be a watchman over our heart, Lord. Lord, that sweet waters would flow, waters of salvation, Lord, that we would um, plant and live out good things in our life, Lord God. Good thoughts, good actions, Lord, good habits, good character, and Lord, a bright, bright future, Lord. Lord, touch your people and bless them, Lord. In your name we pray.
Hallelujah. Amen. Church, one thing I want to do today is I want to open up this altar. If you're struggling right now, you're in the middle of a battle, we're, we're a family. How many know that? We're here to encourage each other. We're here to pray for each other. And if you're struggling and you're battling, you say, man, I don't want to tell you what it is. You don't have to tell me. You're not coming to me for healing. You're coming to the Lord for healing. So if you're struggling, find a place up here at the altar, and we're just going to gather around, and we're going to pray uh, over everybody. So if you're struggling today, find a place at the altar. And I know there's more than just one. But let's pray together. Let's encourage you. Oh, not even one. If you, if you need prayer, come on up here. Hallelujah. didn't even finish my message how to fight spiritual attacks take your position let me know the battle has been won already God puts the gear on us sends us into a battle that's already been won and in order to take your position you got to know what your position is we're heirs of Christ we're at his right hand. We are in, under his anointing of Christ. And so if we don't know who we are, how are we going to know what he's done for us? And so we got to take our position and know who we are. The battle over the enemy has already been won. The battle of the mind, the battle over all the attacks. Jesus Christ has already won it. We've just got to take position and be willing to fight it. But it's already won amazing number two we need to stand firm the bible says our struggles not against flesh and blood but against rulers authorities powers of the dark world against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of god so when the day of evil comes you'll be able to stand your ground and when you've done everything to stand stand firm then the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. So stand firm. You're equipped to overcome in Christ. Hallelujah. Do you feel any of these attacks? The next thing, very easy. Rest in the Lord. David faced the giant, and what did he say? You come to me with spears and battle armaments. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he rested in the Lord. And guess what? The greatest victory that maybe ever has been accomplished. I actually drove through and seen that valley in Israel. And they still talk about the victory that David had that day. And it's because he rested in the Lord's power, not on battle armaments. Hallelujah. Number four, do not fear. What do you have to fear when God is with me? Who can be against me? We have nothing to fear, church. In fact, 90% they say of what you fear in your mind never happens. <laughs> Satan wants you to fear because when you are afraid, then the enemy attacks. And we're not to be afraid. Number five, move forward in battle, never backwards. I'm not backing up. I'm going to walk through this. I will not be afraid. And by the word of the Lord, I'm going to walk through this and I'm going to win. No matter how dark it looks. 
We'll walk in or we'll die. If we die, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. Let's walk through it. Hallelujah. And the last, it says, when you've done everything, Paul ends it with, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit... This is the aggressive going after the enemy. Why wait for the enemy to attack? Why not pray in the spirit first thing in the morning and go on the attack against the enemy? Find out what God wants to do that day. Not wait for the enemy to attack and be on your heels. Let's be offensive. And the only offensive weapon we have is pray in the spirit. Be ready all day long for the enemy. And set the enemy to flight, the Bible says. And that's where God's called us to be in that place. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. Father, they are mighty, your word says, for the tearing down of every stronghold, Lord. You've called us to do mighty things, great things, Lord. Father, I pray against these attacks that they would see the attacks, stand up against the attacks, and be more than conquerors. Christ Jesus, Lord, just like Paul said. I pray all these things over your people. I bless them, Lord. Bless them as they go. In your name I pray. And everybody said...